or good morning. Thank you for joining us today on the Upside Up podcast. My name is Jeremy, and I'm joined, as always, by the one and only Garrett Horn. How are you, sir? Fantastico! <laughs> I'm glad that you're that way, whatever you said. Uh, we're also joined that means by fantastic. Both... Well, I'm glad you're fantastic. Um, uh, we are joined by both of our editors today, Caleb Valander and Corbin Roth. How are you, Corbin? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. And you, Caleb, how are you? Fantastic. We are glad that y'all joined us today on the show, and uh, today we're going to be talking to Corbin about uh, Boy Scouts and uh, his experiences therein. We'll have uh, the Clash of the Wits, and then uh, Caleb's going to talk to us about flying. And uh, Caleb got- can fly? Caleb can fly. He's like a flying squirrel. That's amazing. That's why he's on the show. So, No, um, but then we have a little bit of a surprise uh, segment here at the end before we close it out, so you can look forward to that. All right. Well, uh, anything before we get started? Okay. He shook his head. Listener, that I'm excited to have these guys because they're funny, but they never talk on the show. So yeah, you're in for a real treat. We're not supposed to do that. Yeah, yeah. you're producers. We don't want to get in the way of the, kind of, of the good people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all do a fantastic. Are we job. the good people? Well, thank you. Well, the, the good listeners and the, oh. the the people that we have on here, our guests. Oh. Yeah, we've had a lot of guests recently. Yeah. So. Maybe we'll just have to have a me and Garrett episode soon. Anyway, so uh, we will start with Corbin, and I'll, I'll ask you the first question. Sir, what got you interested in Boy Scouting? Well, well I think it was more like, um, um, I mean, I, I started way back in uh, Cub Scouts. Okay, so way, way of the little tigers. Um, I believe you have to be in first grade to, to do that. And uh, my parents got me into it, and we just, um, when we moved here to, to Athens, we actually, uh, my parents took over uh the uh the the troop there so they came in charge gotcha. and and they planned it all and um helped lead that group and uh and so I, i've been into it just i mean since the very beginning so i went to from tiger cub all the way up to eagle so yeah. that's pretty awesome what was your favorite part about being in the troop um they call it a troop right yeah yeah tro- troop or um yeah yeah mostly a troop um, i wasn't in them so yeah they uh probably, probably just the people i mean the Especially down here or up here, we're able to be so blessed with uh, Christians and those who fear God, and it's just great being a group with those people. I mean, um, just uh, we had some people from uh, our congregation that were in that group, and um, others too, just from around the surrounding area. Um, and that's probably the best part: is the people, the friends you meet, uh, uh, the nice adults, um, just just all the, the nice, positive people. Right. I know that your your dad is an outdoorsman. I wouldn't classify Corbin Roth as being an outdoorsman. You're wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. Yeah, so. yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm an odd person. I, I like a variety of two different spectrums. So. Yeah, so but stereotype, like, Jeremy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just Most saying teams. he doesn't fit in the mold. I think and I'm pr- glad that. Are you well, thank you. No, you should be. No, I, I accept I'm a weird, weird guy. <laughs> well, we like you. Well, well thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Go ahead. You had a question for him. Yeah. Garrett. What did you? Um, you know, I was an Eagle Scout. We were in Scouts mm-hmm. a little bit yeah. together. I'm a little bit older, but, and you were like a little little kid when I was in when, when yeah. I was in Scouts. Cute little Corbin. I remember you being a cute big little, kid. You were, you were a big kid to me. Yeah, you were cute little Corbin. Yeah. But you had glasses back then. Yeah, I did have glasses. Um, I had little round glasses. Yeah. What did you do for your Eagle Scout project? Uh, I did a um, tree identification trail, um, and what we did is it actually took a little bit more preparation, um, and it's something a little bit different. You might have been to one before, especially if you go hiking. You'll see these trails that have these numbered markers, and they'll hand out a key to you. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so you can kind of look at the trees and know what it is and maybe what species and maybe what it's used for. And um, so we actually did um, uh, the old railroad uh, trail and um, forget what town that's in. But um, so what we did is we biked down it and um, my dad and I biked, biked the whole trail and we actually used a iPad app to identify the trees. We took uh, some bark and some uh, leaves and you put that leaf against a uh, white piece of paper and it would identify it for us. Wow. And, um, and yeah, and then what we did is we uh, bought the wood from Lowe's. We spent a whole afternoon just getting all the wood and we cut them, just, you know, cut a nice triangle at the top of them and uh, numbered them. We painted them, numbered them. Uh, we bought a Dremel and did our, the, the numbers and we got oh. a nice um, keys and, uh, you know, uh, with all the things, I think we did 16 trees, if I remember correctly. Nice. Um, all up and down that trail and then we and then so each boy scout project each eagle scout project you do has to incorporate you leading your troop in some way um so this i was leading the my troop in putting digging holes in the ground basically and sinking <laughs> those uh poles so um so, <laughs> dig, unfortunately dig. Yeah, exactly <laughs> unfortunately it was really cold that morning um really cold and the, of course that makes the ground really compact and uh, mm-hmm. if you've ever dug any holes you know that that's uh that can be kind of tough but we did it and we had a great time we did it um uh, very efficiently so it was good okay. are, are you their most hated eagle scout because uh, of that? I, don't, I don't i don't think so but <laughs> <laughs> I no, no we had one that was a lot harder than that yeah uh, like what jake's yeah. aliens did you help with his uh, where we know. built those benches I uh, no, it wasn't that that one. No, Whew, that one was rough. That was rough. We on the trail that goes from Highway seventy two to Athens High School. Mm-hmm. We had to oh, that's we right. put those yeah. benches in. Oh really? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was those benches. nice benches. But that was a it was hot. That was a big job. Whew. Wow, that was not fun. So the point of uh, becoming an Eagle Scout, like the point of the project or whatever mm-hmm. you said, was to lead. Yeah. So. That's really all you have to do is you just have to lead. Some well, well, there's a, there's actually, believe it or not, there's a lot of paperwork that goes into these things. I mean, Garrett can attest. I mean, there is a lot <laughs> of paperwork. You have got a whole packet of papers and things you have to get signatures for and write up of what you're doing, what supplies you need. They want to see your whole planning process down to the, oh, I mean, to the grain. How I mean, you just, get your supplies? Yeah, how like, you get where did you go? Like we went to Lowe's, um, so I had to get a. Uh, I had to give them the receipt, and um, another reason too is they want you to look into getting grants and such from that company where you're buying it from. So like Lowe's gave me like a hundred dollars, and I was able to get my whole uh, wood for like a hundred dollars. Um, so that was that was great. Um, but yeah, believe it or not, there's a lot of paperwork, and uh, you have to send that paperwork into other people. There are committees that had to get together and review your project and approve it. Um, right. So you're like your scout leader, um, your scout um, scout master, scout master, and then the co scout master, whatever the second in command assistant is basically scout assistant master. scout master, whatever. <laughs> and um, so yeah, basically you have to do a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of running around. I had to go to the um, Department of Agriculture for like uh, Athens or Madison, and I had to talk to the guy and get his signature on it because we're putting those on uh, city property. So it all depends on what you're doing. Um, that that defines what what you uh, how much work you have to do really. So then you had to do an interview like with a panel, right? To after you finish it to get your eagles. Mm-hmm. So they had to yeah, yeah. I, we tough? actually well, yeah, we actually can't we can't talk, talk too much about that. Actually, yeah. they ask you when you come in. There's a 
there's a panel, I believe mine was uh, six men, and they're all Eagle Scouts or have some sort of rank uh, in scouting. And, um, and they ask you a series of questions, and that determines if you get your Eagle Scout or not. So, um, but there's all these other requirements to even get to that point. Um, that, that's really just a, uh, just to make sure you have done what you say you've done kind of thing. You know, they don't want anyone getting this reward without actually doing the stuff right. um, that you need to do. And they just they just evaluate your character. That's a good way of saying it. Um, Sounds nerve-wracking. So, yeah, it was a little bit, you know, especially when you're, you're 16 and, you know, yeah. you're, you know, you're a little, little nervous there. Um, and, and it's just you and these six men. You can't, I mean, you're thankfully my scoutmaster was there. Um, oh, really? But, yeah, yeah. So, he wasn't there for me. Never, <laughs> well, well, he wasn't in the room, but he was there when I got like there. But yeah, yeah like yeah. Well, Garrett, how old were you when you became a Eagle Scout? Eighteen. Eighteen. Gotcha. Okay. I was a procrastinator. Yeah. I, I think it was one of the first ones out of our group to, uh, uh, maybe the only one out of our group not to uh, uh, get it at eighteen. Eighteen is the cutoff mark. Oh. Okay. Uh, you can't get it if you're above the age of eighteen. Overachiever. So. You homeschool. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it took, it took a lot of work, but I didn't want to be bogged down with it. Really, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be on time and, and not be pressured. Was that yeah. a goal of yours to become an Eagle Scout from the from the get go? Uh, I wouldn't say from the very beginning. Um, you know, this happens to I think almost every Scout is about halfway through, maybe about two years into Boy Scouts, things start happening. And normally, about the 15, 16 year old range, you get a car. School gets more serious. Sports gets new, more serious. Uh, everything gets a little bit more serious in your life, and that really turns a lot of the boys away from it. It, it right. becomes too low on the totem pole of important things they want to do. Um, I took a I took about probably six months off mm-hmm. um, because of that. My school got really serious. Other stuff I was doing got really serious, and it kind of fell to the wayside. And uh, but thankfully. My parents, you know, helped me push, pushed me to get it done, and uh, you know, I have I've got a lot to owe to them just in general right. uh, for that. It, it it takes some uh, pressure on the the guys to get it done in a timely manner. So, gotcha. Well, I'm glad that you're able to get that accomplished. That's that's a really cool well, accomplishment. You. So, kudos to you, buddy. <laughs> thank you. Uh, now I know a big part of uh, scouting is camping. Oh, yeah, and I know that's a big thing with mm-hmm. you. We've actually been on a camping trip together. Yes, we have. Yes. Garrett was there as well this past <laughs> spring break. We all uh, had a camping trip, and it was 40-degree weather at night, if I remember correctly. I think so, so yeah. Um, have you had any interesting camping uh, excursions that you'd like to bring to the Yeah, family? yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a few uh, camping things. Um, one of them, just a little fun fact, one time we, we slept in a kind of a, a field, and it was one of my first Boy Scout camp um, ones, so when we're mm-hmm. older, uh, one of my first ones. And it was just a little field, but it was so cold that night that uh, we got out of our tent and there was ice, literally coats of ice over our um, tent. So, so that, that, that's been some of the degrees. In Cub Scouts, we have a, a whole patch for those who go in, I think it's 40 degrees or lower or negative Negative degree. If you hit negative degrees or something, you get a polar bear patch. Oh, cool. um, wow. So, yeah, there's stuff like that. Um, another big part I'd say about camping is uh, Boy Scout camp. Uh, probably one of the, my favorite times to go camping uh, with your troop. And um, I'll just say, tell a little story here real quick. I'll try to explain this. Uh, so at our Boy Scout camp, it was right on a uh, lake. And uh, safety is a very big, a very important uh, part, I'd say, of being at a Boy Scout camp. And right. um 
you know, when anyone to get hurt. They've got a lot of first aid people there. They have real doctors, um, you know, and everything. But one of the things they do for swimming is they have this little uh, a buddy tag. I call it a buddy tag. Okay. And when you come into the swimming area, okay, you're supposed to take that buddy tag off, okay, of this big board, this big board with some nails in it and rows and columns and such. And um, they want you to take that off, okay, put your pocket or whatever, as long as it's not on that board, so they know who is in the water. Gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. Um, well, that year at Boy Scout camp, I was what we call a, a SBL, okay, so a senior patrol leader. So I was... Normally, that's the oldest scout, and um, I was the oldest scout that year, so I was in charge, uh, uh-huh. basically the boy who's in charge, and um, that's not an adult. The man with the plane. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and um, and so I'm supposed to you know, know where my, my troops are, so I know where my guys are. Um, it's about time for us to do, um, you know, every mid-morning we do a flag ceremony, and, um, and everyone's coming back from their classes and their merit badges, and this one guy forgot to put... I won't name him, but he put he forgot to put his buddy tag up on that board. Was okay? that your brother? No, no, it wasn't okay. my brother. No, thankfully not, no. Um, and now, this this place is Boxwell, so if any Boy Scouts lives in Boxwell, it's a really big place. Okay. So you're walking probably a good quarter of a mile, maybe a little bit less, from the lake to where the uh, flagpole is. Okay? okay. And so this guy forgot to put his buddy tag up there and is walking back towards us. Well, in this all this time, they have sounded the alarms because they think he's drowned because no one else is coming out of the water. Oh, no. And oh, no. It's one buddy tag that's not up there. So, you know, where is this kid? <laughs> and he was one of my kids, of course. And I all of a sudden, this other SPL comes running up to me from another troop. And he's like, do you know where, you know, uh, this guy is? And I'm like, no. <laughs> They're like... Well, we can't find him. I'm like, what do you mean you can't find him? I was like, where was his last class? Swimming. And I was like, well, is he back from that? Or is, did he, what, what's the problem? How do you know he's not there? Like, he forgot his buddy tag. His buddy tag's not up there. I was like, oh, great. So I had to go get our, our guys. And so anyways, he caused a big commotion. Ooh. And I mean, I had, I had like two adults, um, heads of the camp, um, Mike scout leader. We were all there in a circle trying to figure out where he might be. And then he just kind of walks right up behind me and he's just like, hey guys, what's going on? And I'm just like, <laughs> like, really? Like, did all of this stuff? And um, another big thing about that too is when they think a uh, someone is drowning, all the lifeguards, I mean, we had like six lifeguards, um, all have to uh, do these special dives, okay? So they have to go straight down, touch the bottom, come back up. Straight down, touch the bottom, come back up in, in a line, making like that wave, like a radio wave, Um so, so yeah, that, that, that was a pretty exciting moment for me since I'm, you know, somewhat responsible uh, right, right. for where my, you know, and I felt responsible. And, Did he uh, get a stern uh, talking to? Uh, no, but we make fun of him now. Like, every time we see him. <laughs> uh, he's done some other things, too, but, uh, you, yeah. You, di- you didn't make fun of I mean, you well, didn't give him a stern talking to? No, but, I mean, my scout might, leader might have. But, uh, <laughs> I didn't take control of the situation in that, that sense. Yeah. I was more worried about where he was and, you know, right. his health and safety, but... Um, but but yeah, there you go. Do you have any more questions for him? Yeah, well, uh, what was the like the biggest overall lesson you learned from scouting, and would you recommend other like younger guys to do it? I, I would highly recommend, especially if you like any type of camping. I mean, I know some of the stuff can be hard. There's all these lists of requirements and stuff, um, but I would really encourage you to do it if you're anything into camping or hiking. Um, I mean, even even water sport, biking, water sports, you don't even have to... There's a minimum amount of camping you have to go on, but the camping, I mean, is the most fun. But if you enjoy any uh, activity, I mean, they've got running, 
Um, all those qualify for merit badges. Um, shooting, I mean, you don't even have to be athletic. I mean, my brother loves shooting. <laughs> um, so, you know, all those qualify as merit badges. And there's certain merit badges that are eagle required. So if you want to get your eagle, you got to do um, some of these little extra things. But they're really not as hard um, as some people make them out to be. It's really just uh, staying strong and, and going through the course. Probably my thing that I've uh, uh, learned the most um, in my time is, is our motto, which is be prepared. I mean, I've really, that's really stuck with me and everything I do. I'm just being prepared as, as much as possible. That's really ingrained in me. I, I think I have that to thank. Um, so, so yeah. Are you prepared to go off to college like you're about to? I, I think so. I hope so. <laughs> to wrong. the best of my ability. You're wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, yeah. best of Some luck things. to you. We, uh, yeah. we appreciate you bringing that Boy Scout, those Boy Scout stories. That, that's interesting stuff. Before we move on, did, uh, Caleb, did you have any questions going through that for him? No, not really. Okay. Sounds like he had a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, it does do. sound fun. Good. All right. Well, Stephen uh, this week has a kind of a political joke for us as we mm. transition into the Clash of the Wits here. Stephen, uh, his joke was Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are in the middle of the ocean on a life raft surrounded by sharks. The raft starts to sink. Who wins? America. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's good. That's, That's good. pretty funny. And Justin's, also water-themed, need an arc, I know a guy. So, Caleb, what was Speechless. your favorite Everyone, no one knew what to say to that. <laughs> it was good. It was, it was okay. I've only heard it like 37 yeah, times, yeah. so, but... You know, he thought it was funny. Get so some new material. <laughs> yeah. Go to a different website, Justin. <laughs> All right. Uh, Caleb, you uh, are, I guess I would say, in training to become a pilot. Would you consider yourself that way? Uh, well, technically, I am a pilot, just a student pilot. I'm not a full-time private okay. pilot. So you like to fly the planes. That's been something that you've been interested in since you were little. I believe your, uh, was it your grandfather that got you into that? Uh, yes, you could say that. Um Back several years ago when I was probably 12, um, my grandpa and my grandma were living in Colorado and they were planning on moving to Illinois with us. So I needed to go with my grandpa and my dad to Colorado to help them move. So we, my grandpa bought us all plane tickets and uh, we three headed out on a plane to Colorado Springs. And that was my first ride on a plane and it just, I really enjoyed right. being up in the sky. So. Gotcha. So, is that your favorite part about being able to fly, just being able to be up there in the sky with the birds and clouds and that kind of thing? Or? The best part is when you're by yourself in a plane, there's a sense of freedom. You don't have any restraints. You don't have to stay between the lines. All right. You don't have to go a certain speed limit. I mean, there are rules to follow, but it's much more free. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine that, that much freedom with that much danger associated like there's i mean driving a car is very dangerous and there's plenty of evidence for that but it's not as dangerous as being up in the air oh really uh with, with the training we get uh it's much safer to be in a plane surprisingly there's, well there's nothing to right. hit yeah that's true. <laughs> that's true i suppose so uh so explain to us what it's like to see the sky and to be able to be up there in the sky what to be able to see the horizons, to go through the clouds, to see the sunset, that kind of thing. Well, I personally haven't flown through any clouds uh, okay. because it's 
illegal. Okay. <laughs> until really? I get my until I get my uh, uh, instrument rating, yes. Um, I mean, small clouds, sure, but not nothing big. Uh, okay. Especially like thunderstorms and stuff. You don't want to get in those. There's right, very right. strong winds and hail in them. Right. So, um, but being up in the sky, it's it's amazing. You can see. Uh, well, they'll say on the radio when you listen to the weather. Uh, there's a viewing distance of ten miles. Uh-huh. Uh But that's just as high as they go. They don't go any higher than that. So really, you can see probably 50, 60 miles wow. uh, off into the distance, depending on how high up you go. But it's it's just amazing. Everything is so tiny. It's like a it's like a play, like like some kids play uh, kit on the floor. Oh, Lego wow. kit. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really neat. I uh, do you having uh, stories or experiences from. You say that you're uh, in training. You don't have any kind of license as of yet, correct? I have a student license, you have a student uh, which license. allows me to, uh, right now, solo a plane so I can fly by myself uh, in this area. Uh, at the moment, I haven't done my cross-country, so I can't go to any other airports besides Decatur. Gotcha. But How, how far are you from being able to be a full-time licensed uh, pilot? Depends. There's uh, several tests that I have to pass still. And I have several more flights to make, um, cross countries and such. Are, are there? Is it a mix between written tests and uh, flying tests? Flying tests. <laughs> Thank you, Garrett. Well, it's sort of like a driving test. Yeah, um, it's actually one of each. Um, there's a knowledge test on the ground, and then the instructor will go with me in the plane and right. see how I handle it. Gotcha. What's the farthest you've gone? farthest i have gone in a plane uh i flew for three and a half hours uh we went to mississippi uh jasper mississippi i believe and then we flew from there to uh, somewhere south of here in alabama i can't remember the name of it and then back to decatur but it was a total of three and a half hours hmm. what's it like to be in the cockpit is it is it really cramped particular plane i fly yeah it's very cramped because there's only uh two seats and you're shoulder to shoulder. Uh, okay. <laughs> if you move your arm, you'll bump the other person. Gotcha. So, but it doesn't feel that cramped because you're underneath the plexiglass bubble. Okay. And uh, so really you can see everything around you. Um, it doesn't get claustrophobic or anything. Right. Gotcha. Our, I, I don't know that much about planes, so maybe the listener doesn't either. Enlighten us. What are cockpits... Are they pretty standard across uh, each plane, or does yes. each one have... Like for a FedEx plane, for example, <laughs> is it, is it going to be that tight as it as the small plane that you've flown? No, they're not all as cramped as the one I fly. The one I fly is a very small plane. It's a a trainer. Um, it's not meant to carry any cargo for any length of time. It has a maximum flight time of I think like four hours, um, in in at, at any one time. So you have to stop and fill up every three gotcha. or so. Um, the bigger plane is going to have a lot more space, especially ones meant for long distance. They'll have more space, a lot more comfortable. Um, gotcha. They'll have like uh, air conditioning stuff like that. The one I fly mm. does not. Oh, it gets, okay. It gets Ooh. very, very warm. It's a little inconvenient. <laughs> but yeah. the nice thing is, it's like a convertible. You can pull the top back while you're flying, and uh, really, actually have a lot of air in there. So. That's really cool. I, I did not know. I thought amazing. you Whoa. couldn't have any. Uh, a lot of planes you can't. Uh, the, like the like a Cessna. Um, your standard trainer plane, they'll just have doors on the sides. But uh, this particular plane is a bubble top cockpit, so you can just pull it back while you're flying. You don't want to pull it back too far, otherwise everything will fly out of the <laughs> cockpit. 
But you're going probably 120 miles an hour or so, so you get a good breeze in there. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that the atmosphere, it would work and all. So. Well, I don't fly up that high. Uh, this plane is not meant for anything above, I think, 10,000, something like that. Okay. So right. It's not even close to a commercial plane. No, right? not, yeah. not even yeah. close. So that okay. You need oxygen in a plane uh, at around 14,000 feet. Okay. So, I mean, you can, there, there's no reason you can't breathe it in the particular plane I fly. That's really cool. I can't imagine what it would be like to be able to fly and have it in a convertible. <laughs> I think the most fun I ever had in the plane, I flew over my parents' house. Okay, It's fun just to fly over people's houses because, I mean, you can. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, I flew over a couple times to get them to come out of the house. And uh, my, one of my sisters came out. The rest of them were busy or something. I'm not sure. But uh, she came out, and so I like tilted over a little bit, and I was waving out the top of the cockpit. Yeah. And she actually saw me waving That's uh, awesome. as wow. I was flying over the house. So. It's pretty sweet. That, that is sweet. I guess those smaller planes would be more fun than like the commercial jets, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like the difference between driving a, uh, say, a Miata versus a uh, city bus. Okay. <laughs> okay. All righty. Well, what, do you have any questions for him, Garrett? No. Is is it like, uh, is, is it something that you thought about maybe being a dangerous hobby? Because I've wondered with things like skydiving, flying planes and stuff like that, like, once you learn how to do it, yeah, it's um, it's not dangerous, but I, I would think learning how to do it would be, kind of be a risky thing, you know what I'm saying? That would be terrifying, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, to start off with, you're not by yourself. You have a trained pilot instructor with you, um, and at any time he can grab the controls. There's always two sets of controls in a plane, uh, one for each seat um, for the pilot and co-pilot. And so, if there's anything you do that the pilot doesn't like, uh, there's a system that we use where it's a double confirmation type thing where if he wants to take the controls, he'll say, I have the controls. And then the co-pilot will say, you have the controls. And he'll, again, affirm, I do have the controls. So that way, both of the pilots are with each other on the same page, knowing who's in control of the plane at any one time. Um, same thing with learning how to solo. Uh, everything you need to know, you'll be taught many times over before you actually get to do it. Um, I've spent uh, over 35 hours in the plane just flying around. So it, it, people think it's dangerous, but and it can be if you try to act up, be silly or whatever, uh, if you try to show off. Um, but if you're flying normally and not trying to do anything crazy it's actually safer than being in a car yeah according to the statistics have you ever had any like thing um, kind of dangerous happen while you're up there running to any storms or anything no no uh if the weather's even remotely close to being bad we don't take it up so so you've never what's the closest you've had to wrecking it the closest i've had to wrecking it i guess um I mean, there's been some hairy landings where it's, you know, you hit the ground a little hard or something and you bounce a little bit. I mean, it's it's all part of flying a plane. It's not an exact science. It's right. uh, you, you just trying to get the thing down on the ground. <laughs> yes. So uh, even the best of pilots uh, make mistakes sometimes. Um, the hairiest thing probably was when I was in training and uh, we were, there was no one else at the airport, okay? It's an unmanned airport, so there's no controllers there at all. Uh-huh. You can pretty much do what you want to as long as there's no other planes around. Um, 
So we were practicing uh, touching goats. Just come down, hit the runway, take back off. Keep on doing that round and round and round. And um, one of the on one of the uh, trips back to the runway, the instructor just yanks the throttle, turns the engine off all the way, except for I mean it's just idling there. And uh, he says, "All right, land the plane. Your engine's out." Oh dear. The plane. Well, once the engine turns off, a plane does not have any upward climb. It's all downhill from there, literally. I mean, you just you have no lift at all. You just the plane nose dives down toward the ground. You just got to keep on. Watch that airspeed, because if you don't watch the airspeed, you, your wings won't have any lift, and you'll just drop out of the sky. So. It's exciting. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine that would stress me out. <laughs> Guessing you made it though. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't make it. I didn't make it. Well, good. Was it? Was it a good plane landing? Uh it was not pretty. But I mean, it, it, they say every landing you walk away from is a good landing. So okay, is, landing's the hardest part. It right? is. It is. Uh, yeah, taking off that. is difficult, but it, it's pretty easy once you figure it out. Landing is the rough part because your power's low, so you don't have a whole lot of lift over the wings. Um, there's a lot of turbulence from the wind, especially uh, at Decatur Airport. The wind comes over the buildings and kind of rolls, oh. and so the plane's bouncing around everywhere. You got to hit the middle of the runway. Uh-huh. So a lot, a lot to look at. You got to sure. watch your airspeed. You got to watch your descent rate. You got to watch the runway. Obviously, you got to watch planes around you. Whew. I couldn't do it. <laughs> if anyone that I know could do it, that would be that would be Caleb Volander. So, uh, best of luck to you. Uh, and being a pilot, you, what is your end goal in, uh, in flying? Well, you know, I've changed it a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> as of now, I right, guess. <laughs> right this second, I'd like to do it as a hobby. Uh, for a while, I've wanted to do it as a, a job, but it's come to, I've come to the realization that I really don't like the regulations that you have. Like I said, there's right. not a lot of rules when you're flying. When you're not flying... I'll show you this, but this is the rules and regulations that you have to follow. Okay. Wow. And for y'all that can't see, this is a book about three inches thick called the FAR AIM book, and it is the Federal Aviation Regulations and Aeronautical Information Manual. It is full of all sorts of regulations made up by people that don't fly planes. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Some of them do, of course, but otherwise they wouldn't know what they're talking about. But a lot of it is voted in by people that really don't know a whole lot about it. And so some of it makes sense because some of it's just common sense. Right. A lot of it is stuff that uh, lawmakers think is a good thing. Tell us how many pages are in there. I have no idea. I have never looked. Looks like uh, over 12,000. Or twelve hundred. Oh, twelve hundred. Ooh. Wow. So. Yeah, I, I don't think I would want to learn all that. Not all of it applies to me, but the stuff that does is just as confusing as the rest of it. So. Right. A lot of it is open to interpretation. Uh, so if the lawyers think you're doing something wrong, then you're doing something wrong. It's. Yeah, okay. It's. I think I would enjoy it. I just don't know that I want to put all the brain work into it. It's. It's very very confusing at times. Yeah, I can imagine so. But I do want to continue flying as a hobby, uh, like with an ultralight plane. Um, right. There's very few regulations for them, and I just enjoy flying. It's I, yeah. I thought it would be more like that with a with a larger plane, but it's there's a lot more regulations. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you. Do you have any questions for him, Corbin? I have a weird question, real quick. Right. Have you ever wanted to jump out of a plane? 
Like, are you into, would you be into skydiving or? I almost did. Oh, really? A couple months ago. Almost. I almost. got within a couple days of skydiving. But, oh, wow. Uh, I did not know this. <laughs> Caleb is my brother-in-law, for those who don't know, and I have not heard this well, story. Well, <laughs> a guy at work wanted to go skydiving for his bachelor party. And he he invited me and some other guys to go. And uh, we couldn't get enough guys to get the discount. So we didn't all want to pay like 200 bucks a person to go jump out of a plane. So um, when I'm in the plane, no, I do not want to have any urge at all to get out of that. (laughs) Are you wearing a parachute? Huh? Are you wearing a parachute when you're flying? No. Uh, In a standard plane, you don't wear a parachute. Um, Experimentals a lot of times have parachutes. Um, Or you'll wear one uh they're coming out with these new parachutes they've had them for a couple of years now called the uh, ballistic recovery parachutes i think um basically they're attached to the frame of the plane and if you're in trouble you yank a, uh, a handle and it'll pop the parachute out the top of the plane and drop the whole thing down so. hmm. that's very interesting well best of luck to you i'm glad um you haven't jumped out of a plane at least without <laughs> me i don't know if i want to do it but don't go without me if you can go there, so. <laughs> But uh, I have to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Gable gave us a question uh, this week on the show, and we'll read this off, go through this right quick, and then I'll go get to my little our little surprise uh, change up to the show, and then we'll close it out. So uh, he texted me. All right. Well, this question's mainly aimed at Garrett, but open to anyone who really wants to answer it. In an earlier episode, Garrett said that Spider-Man was his favorite superhero, and no superhero could ever could beat him. I I remember that very vividly. Is there anyone from any universe, Star Wars perhaps, who you think could put the whooping on Spidey? You know, it would be tough for Spider-Man to deal with the Force, you know, (laughs) because, you know, he's, uh, except for his webs, he, like, you know, if he shot his webs at him, they'd be able to manipulate that and everything, and so I think that he would have a lot of trouble with the Force. Um, yeah, and when I say no superhero, I I think I mean I wasn't I don't think I was being quite literal with that. Right. <laughs> He's my favorite superhero. I think Superman could beat him. You have easily. some flack from that comment. Yeah, I've caught some flack, but I will say this: Spider-Man would destroy Batman. I mean, that's going to be create a firestorm, but. He would destroy Batman. Right? I think I'm on no side. way. I don't think so. Listen, <laughs> Batman is a regular human. He's he, also he, trained as a ninja. He's a he's yeah, brilliant. Not exactly but Spider Man is has superhuman strength. He's smart like Batman is smart. He, there's just no like there's no way Batman could beat him. Well, he anyway, um, <laughs> the, the the little bit of change of the show. I think we're going to start doing this thing where we we give you the listener a listening assignment for uh, that episode. Uh, so. Usually it's going to be a song, and I'm going to start out with the first one. Garrett's probably going to do next episode. But uh, I suggest you go and listen to It's All Right by uh, Huey Lewis and the News. Yeah. I, I love that song. Uh, if The idea of this is to get you to broaden your scope of listening. So it will, pro- it will usually be a song you haven't heard of. You may have heard this one, but Huey Lewis and the News is one of my all-time favorite. I know uh, that. I love them. I'll tell you what, they're so good. But anyway, uh, go and listen to that and let us know what you think of the song. Uh, along with those lines, like us on Facebook if you haven't done that. We uh, love interacting with you guys. We'd love to hear your comments and everything. So go like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. If you have a Twitter, uh, we want to interact with you more on Twitter. 
Facebook's a little bit more difficult to interact with people than Twitter is, so go and follow us on Twitter and subscribe to us on YouTube. I'm sorry, not YouTube. What am I saying? iTunes. YouTube channel? <laughs> no. <laughs> on iTunes and uh, get the download, get the episodes downloaded to your phone and you can listen offline. All right, well, a couple quick shout-outs before we leave. We want to thank Katie for, the, for her work on our jingle, Kevin for his work recording that jingle. We want to thank Justin and Je- uh, Stephen for their... Uh, jokes. I think we can all agree that Steven won this week. Steven's 2-0. 2-0. Uh, he, bringing his A game. Justin, you gotta step it up, buddy. Uh, we want to thank our editors, Caleb and Corbin, for their work every week. Uh, Corbin's about to leave us to go off to college, but we will keep in contact with him. Keep yep. listening, buddy. <laughs> and uh, we'll probably be uh, asking him for help for here and there when he's got time. So, uh, don't Definitely don't want you to leave the family here at Upside Up. Uh, our big family our big family four <laughs> people uh, <laughs> I also want to thank you guys for joining us for this episode uh, it's something we've wanted to do is have you all on so your voices can be heard we really uh, enjoyed the conversation that we've had so best of luck to both of you guys I want to thank Garrett for joining us you're welcome yeah <laughs> love doing the show with you buddy and uh, looking forward to uh, the future here with uh, our show so I think we've got some exciting things in mind that we want to want to try thank you the listener for joining us today we uh we hope you enjoy our show and we'll continue to listen and remember to stay upside up in this upside down world see you next time gotta go <laughs> gotta go where are you going get? i gotta go change my shirt because i'm bleeding singing i got salt oh. <laughs>